So we're in our hospitality series, right? And I, and I, I want to answer a question today. Uh, did you ever wonder who's going to heaven? Did you ever look around and say, they ain't going to make it? <laughs> they think they're going to make it, but they're not going to make it. You might be surprised when you get to heaven who's there and maybe who's not there, which would be tragic. I don't know about you, but I kind of get the feel of my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm going to be there. Hello? Remember what Paul said as pastor, I have to present all of you to the Lord. But hopefully everyone here is on the list. He said, there's a list? Yeah, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you're going to heaven, your name was there before you were even born. Because God knows who's going and who's not going. So we're in the book of Luke, and I want to preach this entitled The Guest List, because there is a guest list. And really from Genesis to Revelation, as we've said, there's, there's, we're going to a party. We're going to a banquet. The very set, we said, when does it begin? It begins as soon as the rapture occurs. Amen. And if you don't believe in the rapture, you could stay. But I, I don't know when or how many raptures. Some people think there's more. Than, I don't. All I know is I'm going on the first bus. That's all I know. As soon as he takes us, I'm going. Hallelujah. Amen. And by the way, I'm coming back. We talk about heaven all the time. You don't realize heaven is going to be on earth for all eternity. We're going to rule and reign. Well, some of us. Okay. <laughs> but I want to go to Luke chapter 11. And we're talking about the God of hospitality, not just us being hospitable. But we can be and want to be hospitable because God has been so hospitable to us. We have an open invitation to the banquet. But before we do, let, let's look at something when the disciples came together and in, uh, in that first, first verse, chapter 11. Came to that passage, he was praying in a certain place when he ceased. And how many of us would have, would have asked the same question? One of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. John, apparently, John the Baptist would teach his disciples how to pray. Maybe it was different than how Jesus prayed. I don't know. I think Jesus just talked to his father, and that was prayer. And the disciples said, teach us how to pray. How do you pray to the God of hospitality? If he's our host and we're the guests, how should we pray? How do we talk to the host? In verse 2, he says, so Jesus taught them this prayer. And you know this prayer, our Father, our Heavenly Father. And I thought I'd read this in the Passion just so you get a different flavor to the Lord's Prayer. Our, our Heavenly Father, may the glory of your name be the center on which our life turns. May your Holy Spirit come upon us and cleanse us. Manifest your kingdom on earth. Give us our needed bread for the coming day. Uh-huh. 
Forgive our sins as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us or owe us. And rescue us every time we face tribulation. All right, that's a different way of saying the Lord's Prayer. If I said it the old-fashioned way, you'd fall asleep on me. So that's different. And basically, and I'm not going to preach the Lord's Prayer. That's a whole series all by itself. But just real quick, three things about it. He says, uh, our Father, our Heavenly Father. What it's saying, if he's daddy, then we're family. And that sets the whole relationship. That we're not just, you know, he could have said master. He could have said king. He said, address my father as your father. That makes us Jesus' brother. That makes us Jesus' sister. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Somebody, did Jesus have brothers and sisters? Yes, I'm looking at them. Our Father, which art in heaven. Yeah, we know he's in heaven, but he's our heavenly Father. By that, that just sets the, the, whole, the whole climate, the whole relationship that we are family. Because, listen, if you're talk, you talk differently to maybe the mayor or the president than you would your own father. Hopefully you had a good father. Otherwise, this illustration kind of falls apart. Uh, but our father, see, there's, there's a different relationship there. If you go to some people's house, you don't just go in their refrigerator and start taking food out. But if you go to your dad's house, if you go to your mom's house, you can go to the refrigerator. You don't have to ask. Come on. You can go and take what you want. Our Father. And number two, he says, thy kingdom come. And the only thing I want to say about that, well, there's a lot I can say about the kingdom. But he said, thy kingdom come. But when you read it in the Greek, you know what it says? You know how it says? It says, make your kingdom come. There's force there. Make it happen, Lord. Let the kingdom come. As opposed to this world's kingdom, let the kingdom of God invade this planet and take charge. Hallelujah. That's how we should pray. It's not about our kingdom. It's about his. And the third thing is this. See to the needs of your family. We need sustenance. We need forgiveness. And we need rescue. (laughs) Sustenance. Come on. Sustenance, that you know, daily bread, forgiveness, isn't that isn't that interesting? That's key. And if we don't forgive, why should he forgive us? Sustenance, forgiveness, and rescue deliver us from the tempter. Wow. But then he goes into this story in chapter eleven, verse five. And it's interesting, he goes from prayer into this story. So let's read it. Let's get into it. Read part of it here in verses uh, 5 through 13. Then he said to them, right after he teaches them uh, the praise, which of you shall have a friend? It's a friend. And go to him at midnight, middle of the night, and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Very specific. (laughs) 
for a friend of mine. There's three people involved in this. A friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Hmm. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Understand, it's probably describing basically a one-room house, and everyone's kind of in the bed. And, and if he gets up, he's going to wake everybody up and cause commotion. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his Mm, the word there is shameless persistence. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, isn't he still talking about prayer? Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. It's an interesting, he uses hospitality to describe prayer. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent, serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Weird. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more, how much more? Will your heavenly Father, didn't he just say pray, heavenly Father? Give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Notice he didn't say the Cadillac you want, but he said he'll give you the Holy Spirit. I kind of feel like if you got the Holy Spirit, you probably have everything you need then. Come on, church. Get your priorities in order. If you're spirit-filled and live the spirit life, that's probably all you're really going to need. Can I get an amen? Now, what you have to understand real quick about this parable is the whole concept of shame and honor back then. And if, if someone knocked at your door and asked for bread, if you didn't answer... That would be considered shameful. It would have ruined your, 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 te your, 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 your testimony, your reputation. The next morning, the lady's at the well. Do you know? Sam knocked on Joe's door last night just to get a, just to get a loaf of bread, and he wouldn't get out of bed. <gasps> shameful. I mean, it would have been a major thing. you got to get this. Shame. You know, the laws of hospitality were such that you never turned even an enemy away. You can't. If an enemy knocked on your door, there were certain laws in society. And if an enemy knocked on your door, it didn't matter. You hated that man's guts. <laughs> you were afraid of that guy. You had to let him in. Give him a meal. Take care of him. Then after he leaves, you can hate him again. But there were laws. And by the way, he had to respect you too. Remember, there were no holiday inns back then. 
When people traveled, they were at the mercy of all kinds of strangers and robbers and bandits. It was, it was a dangerous world out there. And hospitality was the only thing that made society a society. Hospitality was the beginning of civilization. Without that, there is no civilization. Oh, my God. It's no wonder our civilization is falling apart. We're not hospitable anymore. We used to, oh, Lord, here's that rambling spirit, amen. We used to build our, we used to have uh, our, our, our decks in the front of the house. Amen? You had a porch. You'd sit out on the porch. Wave at the cars and the people walking by. Strike up conversations. Now you're like, oh, God, here comes that neighbor. <laughs> y'all remember, if you're old enough, can y'all remember? It was actually, there was a time it was exciting to answer the phone. Your phone would ring. Oh, who could that be? Caller idea has totally destroyed that concept. Oh, I ain't, no way. I ain't answering that. No, we ain't going there. Someone knocked on your door. It was a major event. I rarely remember anyone knocking at our door, but if anyone not rang our doorbell, we're like, oh! Now it's a Jehovah Witness. Now when someone knocks on your door, everyone says, Hide! Maybe they'll think there's nobody here. We, we have changed culturally. We're not hospitable much anymore. Come on, church. And our society's coming apart. But this was a, a thing of shame and honor. They would have talked about this a year later. Years later. Hey, you remember that time Joe wouldn't open the door for Sam? You remember that? What a creep that guy is, this is a major thing, and, and, and that's why Jesus says, can you imagine? And, and, and what, what, when they're, they're saying, man, I can't imagine him not opening the door. I, this is just beyond. And, and then it's interesting that it talks about the guy knocking on the door, and the word there is that he was, he was shamelessly knocking. I mean, at some point you knock, and then you got your pride, right? You're saying, okay, I, I did my thing. It's on him now. No, no, no. He kept knocking. He was shameless. He said, I'm going to get some bread for my friend. And Jesus says, can you imagine someone not answering the door, but can you imagine me not answering? We're talking about the host of hosts. And you know he's going to answer you. Come on, I'm trying to encourage somebody. And he will give you the spirit, praise God. Now let's jump over a few chapters to chapter 14, verse 1. Verse 1. Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. Not because he was good looking, but because... They were trying to trip him up. So he told a parable 
to those who were invited to that little meal. When he noted how they chose the best places, again, remember, shame and honor. You know, you want to come into a place, it was, you know, to be able to sit at the, at the head of the table or next to the head of the table, that's the place of honor. You don't want to be the guy at the end of the table. Say, you're the, I mean, they would actually set that up and people knew their place. And you knew where you were supposed to sit. Come on, church, it's a different kind of society. He said, listen, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. In other words, you kind of misjudged. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Go up higher. How many believe it's those who humble themselves that go higher? Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table. Oh, look at so-and-so. Moving on up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rather than the other guy who had to move on, going on down. Shameful. They'll remember that for years to come. For whoever exalts himself will be, and he who humbles himself. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back. And you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the, and you will be blessed. I know you don't want to amen this, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Because, because, purpose, because they cannot re repay you. For you shall be repaid. At the resurrection of the just, there's a banquet coming, and you may make it to the banquet, but where's your seat? How many know there's rewards in heaven? Where's your seat? How many believe there's a banquet coming? Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who make the list and are invited to the banquet. So he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Jesus was just full of parables that day. And he sent his servant at supper time to say those who were, you know, I never noticed that before. It's a last-minute invitation. Hmm. Come for all things are now ready, but they all with one accord began to make excuses why they couldn't be at church on Sunday morning. Oh, is that? The... Sorry, I was reading between the lines. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And, and then the next one, 
another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another, this is not too bad. I have married a wife, and she'd kill me if, no, and she, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house said, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and, and the lame and the blind and the servants and master it is done as you commanded. And how many believe there's still room? There's still room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges. In other words, go find the truly homeless and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You can talk about us preachers being obsessed with numbers, but so is God. He wants his house full. God's not into numbers. He had a whole book called Numbers. (laughs) Praise God. I wish I had one called Nichols and Numbers and Noise. All right. Go out in the highways and highways and heads and pale compass, almost force them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Oh my God. Here's the thing. You know what this says? Yeah. Praise God. There is a banquet. There is a party. God's at the head of it. We see it all the way in the book of Revelation. We know that he's going to serve us. He's going to serve us. That's exciting. But here's here's the good news. This is what we need to preach. How many know we need to preach good news? Not the, you're a sinner and going to hell. That's not the good news. Hello? Jesus never preached that. There is a party, yeah. The invitations are out. They're not in the mail. They're in your hand. You just need to open it and say, I'm coming. Come on. What's that called when you RSVP? How many hate RSVP? Nobody responds to that anymore. Did you notice that? Why is that? You know why they don't respond to RSVPs anymore? Because there's too many things going on, and I don't want to commit to something that's a month away because something better might come because there's a lot going on. So I'm not going to respond to this a month ahead of time because I might get a better invitation Isn't that what Jesus just said? Don't look for the higher invitations. Come on, church. Here's here's the thing. They all had excuses. Can can, can I put it another way? They all gave excuses. In other words, it was one of two things. Either they bought something new or they were in a new circumstance in their life, and so they couldn't come to the banquet. They couldn't be a part of the party because they were having their party. Basically, what it is, is they had too many attachments. Say attachments. How many know that seems to be our problem today? We have too many 
attachments. I know some of you talk about the good old days. I mean, I'm talking about 100 years ago. When everybody in the community walked to church, they would walk for a mile, two miles to come. Walk in the winter, uphill both ways, through the snow, whatever it took. I remember my dad getting up. There'd be a foot of snow. They wouldn't cancel church. No, we're Catholics. We're going to church. We're going to have church. We're not canceling church. If a tornado destroyed the church, we're having church. And it was a sin not to go to church, so we were motivated. It was one of those big sins. I don't know if it is anymore. I think they downgraded it. I don't know. I remember my dad getting up early on Sunday morning, putting chains on the car so we can get to church on Sunday morning. Back then, people would walk for miles. They'd go to church, everybody, the whole community. But, 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 but to their defense, what else was there to do? <laughs> that was the only time you saw your neighbors. Your nearest neighbor was a mile away. You didn't go over there for coffee. You had no telephone. Even the mail service was slow. Well, it still is. Lord, help us. I mean, really, that was the social thing, you know. Going to church is where you saw everybody. That's where you got your gossip. That's where you found out things. There there were no other attachments. It was still a sacrifice to get there, and everyone went there. But let's be real about it. There really wasn't anything else to do. Now there's a whole lot of things to do on Sunday morning or whenever or your prayer time or your devotion time or the time you need to be taking care of somebody and you don't have time for them. Come on. I mean, my favorite sports team is on. I can't visit so-and-so. I, you know, even family can be an attachment. That keeps you from doing. Come on, I know you're not going to shout at this, but I, you, you want a pastor who preached the truth. Well, eh. There it is. Attachments are keeping us from our joy. Keeping us from the banquet. Keeping us, even if we make the banquet, we're not going to have a good seat. What's going on down there? It's going to be a long table. Come on. Attachments. Right, real quick, Luke chapter 18 and verse 18. I don't know if I'll read all this, but you remember this, the rich young ruler comes along. What do I have to do to in- inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's, and so on and so forth. But remember what he says to the guy. He says, you know, you know the commandments. He said, I've obeyed all the commandments. Okay, Jesus says, good. One thing you lack, not for salvation, but one thing you lack To really have your seat at the table. Wow. You know what it is? Sell everything you got. Now, he's not saying if you sell everything you got, you can go to heaven. That's not what he's saying. Some some theologians, and we can't prove this, but some theologians have opined. I like to throw big words out once in a while. 
have opined on this, that maybe the rich young ruler would have been the 13th disciple, Judas's replacement. That if he had given it all away, that he was next in line. Didn't all the other disciples give everything? And, and he was being set up for his destiny, but he had too many. And, and, and the disciple says, oh, my God, how does anyone go to heaven? And, you know, because Jesus said it's really hard for rich people to go to heaven because they have too many. And the disciple says, well, how is anyone going to go to heaven? And he said, well, with man it's impossible, <laughs> but with God all things are possible. With God, all things are too many attachments. Now, we need to count the cost, but there's an invitation out, and it's to all the outcasts, all the outsiders, and all the outlaws. They've all been invited because they have no attachments. But they're coming. Thing is, God's inviting people who have nothing to give. And you say, well, that, that's weird. But actually, here's the thing. He's inviting people that are empty because they have a space to fill. And people with a lot of attachments have no room for what he's giving out at the banquet. They have no room for God. Sell everything you got and you will find your destiny in God. I believe he had a great destiny, some kind of great calling, right? No. He was too full of all that the world has to offer. Too many attachments. Too many things. Too many new things. Too much stuff. Come on. It's hard to carry all that to heaven. And here's the thing too, church. We need to get to the point where we don't mind inviting people and loving people and giving to people who have nothing to give us. Remember that scripture Jesus says, it's easy to love people who can love you back. It's easy to invite people who can invite you back. It's easy to love people who can get you to the next level. But real love's not defined by how many people you can love who can love you back. Real love is defined by how many people can you love that cannot love you back, cannot give you anything back. There's no gain in loving this person, in inviting this person, in bringing this people into your home. There's no gain in taking them out to eat. There's no gain... You're not going to get anything out of it. They can come into the church and sit here every Sunday, but they don't even have a job. They're not going to pay any ties. They're really weird. We don't want them at the front door. But we're going to love them because they have a lot of capacity. Whew. 
to be loved. And they're going to be somebody great someday. Because God don't make no junk. You love my English? God doesn't make junk. God made every single person. Every single person. Every. I'll never forget, and I'll close with this. You can come to the piano. That video that Kyle showed, and every once in a while, if, if he's talking about the floating islands, he always has this picture of this, this older lady in this hut, and they're preaching the gospel to her. And, and then there's a younger girl there, maybe a granddaughter, and I'm looking at this person. They had never seen a white person before. They had no contact with the outside world. Nobody even, no, before Kyle went there, I never knew there was such a thing as a floating island. I never knew. You, you were there, right? And, and I, no idea. These are forgotten people. And I look into the eye of that little girl, and I'm thinking, God knows her. I mean, knows her. Not of her. Knows her. Wow. God knows every, every little heartbreak, every sorrow, every worry, every fear, living on that floating island. He knows everything about that girl. And to be honest, I probably could care less about that little girl. And maybe I should. Because that little girl has potential. And Jesus says, quit trying to sit at the head of the table. Quit seeking for the high places. Let's go out into the highway and into the byways. Let's be hospitable. Jesus died for that little girl. He paid a price for her. And you know what? People in those, those islands are coming to the Lord. They actually, after, they've been there 4,000 years. They were there before Jesus even came, 2,000 years before Jesus. And now there's a church, a building on that island that people can come to. And whole islands are being saved just because one person decided, let's go to the back of the table. Let's go into the highways and byways. Let's pay attention to people who can't help us. Let's love on them. Let's make a difference. Go into the highways. Go into the byways. My God, the banquet hasn't started yet, but the invitations are out. Yeah. And you'll see this next week as we talk about the, the prodigal son and that lost coin and, 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 and the lost sheep, the missing guests. Oh, it's going to be a good message. Don't miss it. Come on. And, Lord, I didn't get an amen. I don't but at the end of every story, there's a party. There is great joy over one. Come on. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. That means God is doing a dance. The Father's dancing. When one comes, he doesn't just dance when the millionaire gets saved and joins the church and decides to tithe $100,000 a year. 
he rejoices. Because actually the millionaire probably has a lot of attachments, and all he can do is write a check. And that's awesome. I appreciate your checks. Amen. It takes money to get the... But it's those that are totally unattached, totally empty, that God can fill. He loves them. Wow, so much. The great bab. I'll close with this. You need to play. That's why I'm not, I haven't stopped. If I, don't, I don't stop till I hear the music. So, Oh, you've been playing? It's muted. We really are having some issues. No. I think is it this cluster is almost completely gone, and th these speakers are 23 years old. I said, well, let's just replace them. And he said, well, Pastor, they want $20,000. Well, we'll put up with it for a while. Find a sale. Can you believe the $20,000? We're going to take up an offering. For speakers. Anyway. There is joy. One of the things, one of the things I've realized in going on vacation, going on a cruise, getting out of here, whatever, is half the fun is the anticipation ahead of time. I'm usually packed like two, three weeks before I even, I'm like, yeah, I'm, woo, glory to God. Half the fun is the anticipation. You know what our joy is right now? It's knowing the banquet's coming. It's knowing the invitation's out. It's knowing I've returned the RSVP. Woo! Reserve my seat and uh, anyway. <laughs> Trying to come up with something but my brain ain't working. <laughs> For a very important person. Okay, there we go. That, your joy. Remember what he told the 70? Don't rejoice that you got power over demons. Rejoice because your name is in the book. It's on the guest register. You're coming to the banquet. Am I talking to anybody? If that doesn't excite you, it's because you have too many attachments. It's because you're looking at your clock. It's six minutes to 12, so you don't have to look. You ain't getting out of here before noon anyway. I just won't allow it. The banquet hasn't started yet, but the invitations are out. Would you stand to your feet? Praise God. Mm, 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 mm. That's, that's Father God. It's a family meal. I said it's a family meal. We're all family. If you're a child of the king, you're a family member. Father God. Brother Jesus, Holy Spirit, the nurturer, the Spirit of God. It's no wonder people are so angry today. They're not family. 
They're, they're, they're like Cain. They're just isolated. Wanderers with marks on them. Cain. Oh, I could preach that right now. Another. Can you stay for another half hour? <laughs> ben said amen. Kill him if I do. <laughs> I won't. Too many marked people in this world. And there's too many church people that can't let loose of the attachments. It's not just about coming to church on Sunday. It's about living that life for Him. Living your destiny. Not not this other... Listen, some of you were involved in things that have nothing to do with your destiny or purpose. That's not why God puts you here. In all things, give Him honor, glory, and find a way to pray. Find a way. where I know you got to work, you got jobs, you got faith, but give in all things. Do it for the glory of God. Jesus. I used to have a secular job. It was called the United States Navy. And I, I really didn't like it. I really didn't. Sorry. But I can't, but I would remind myself, I'm not working for that lieutenant. I'm working for God today. And I'd go to work with joy in my heart, knowing I could do some good. Some good. Couldn't wait to get out of the Navy so I could save the world. Young preachers are so crazy. Oh, but the joy. The banquet's coming. And you're invited. Anybody have their suitcases packed? <laughs> Come on, how many are ready to go? It's not like, oh my God, the cruise is tomorrow. I got to get packed. Nobody does that. Crazy people do that. You have too many attachments. Crazy people do stuff like that. No, we, we're packed way ahead of time. We're ready to go. Some of you are already checked out for the next cruise. But I'm here to tell you, that's the joy. He's coming for us. It's not a scary thing. Some people want to make the rapture a scary thing. If it's scary, it's because you're not going. <laughs> if you were going, you would be happy. Be like, is today the rapture? Oh God, pastor's not here Sunday. Did the rapture occur? When? Chill. You don't have to be some do goody. You just have to have everything under the blood of Jesus. Just keep it under the blood, church. Keep it under the blood. I know some of you hadn't sinned in twenty years, but keep it all under the blood. Because you're invited to a party. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the joy of the Lord. It is my strength. It is what I have. It's what you've given me. I don't have to work it up. It comes from within. It is not based on my circumstances. 
It has nothing to do with how terrible life is. It has everything to do with what's coming next. And we're ready. We're ready. We're dressed. We got the wedding garment on. And we're waiting for your soon return. Oh, I feel the Lord in this place. He's seated at the table. And he's about to serve us. What kind of God do we serve? Oh, what joy. What joy it is in knowing we're invited to the banquet. What joy it is, Lord. We love you today. We thank you today. We praise you today. Jesus. 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 Would you come to the tables? And as many of you, don't get in a hurry, please. Some of you are like, oh, the sermon's over. I'm over. I'm out of here. You got to take this word and let it. What are you going to do with this word? Oh, Pastor, you preached a good sermon. I want to preach an effective sermon. I'm not trying to entertain you with it. I want to see a difference in your life. So you got to take that word and say, what does it mean for me to be invited? And who am I inviting? And am I loving the unlovable? Come to the table. Come to the altar. Remember, we're going to pray, right? We're going to pray. We're going to pray for what's going on in this world right now. We're going to do that, right? I'm hoping some of you will stay a bit. Father, teach us to pray. You're the host. We're the guest. You taught us how to talk to the host, how to approach the host. You've taught us table manners, how to live. And we know, we know your banquet is coming. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Would you come to the altar? Everyone there, if you need special prayer, just kind of signal us and we'll come and, and, and pray for you. Would you come right now? In Jesus' name. Come on. All that will. Let's come to the table. Come as a family. Come as a couple. Come as an individual.